Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Saturday Morning D&D Show. It's been a while, but we are back. My name is Jordan, with a silent PH in the middle, and I'm joined always by my wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian, over at Sir Lucian Gaming. Say hello, sir. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. It's been a little bit. Hope your summer isn't too warm. Mine's super hot right now. Oh, I got a super hot summer, yeah. Um, yeah, so for those of you who are new to the stream or anything else, uh, maybe the podcast, uh, I've been moving, and uh, so I'm in my new house. I know it looks a lot like my old house because I'm in a corner with a white wall, so that's crazy, but we're going to get some more decorations and stuff up here sometime. I'm still unpacking and trying to get everything, uh, but yes, this is the new game room in the basement. Very exciting. Um, maybe I'll do like a, a walkthrough of the game room and put it up on YouTube or something. Maybe I'll put it up on the Saturday Morning D&D Show channel. That would be more fun. Uh, but yeah, so we're really excited to be back. Uh, I feel like we have not a lot to talk about, but some things to talk about in the worlds of Dungeons & Dragons, like in a UA uh, article coming out and things like that. Uh, but what's, I want, I, I, this, is, this is counter our notes there, Lucian. Um, yes. But what is going on with oh. Rime of the Frostmaiden? Like, well, yeah, we definitely know that we're getting it in September 15th. So I just want to always remind people of the dates that are coming out. Because right now, many of you might be playing with Mythic Odyssey, which is really cool. Yeah. Which is our latest one out. But the next one out is going to be in September. So we're sitting here middle July, getting close to end of August. September 15th, we can look for Icewind Dale, Rime of the Frost Maiden. There's a dice set. There's a miniature set, like in those um, boxes with the um, random painted figures mm -hmm. that's out there beetles and grims is doing a platinum edition like they've done in some of the other ones and there's a comic with this one too so there's some uh, tie-in from idw which does a lot of the D, D comics out there so all tying into this uh icewind dale kind of um thing as jordan looks for more of his stuff <laughs> we lost him he's gone <laughs> there he is well so one thing that was interesting to me while he's getting all set up oh and my dog comes back in and whines is it's interesting that all of the adventures lately have been location based with a colon right so we've got like baldur's gate icewind dale water deep dungeon of the mad mage sort of um but that one was still i think kind of a little bit like water deep so it's interesting that they're just doing these locations now with a colon and then we're getting an adventure based off of them. And I don't know what we'll get next, but it would be interesting to see what other location. We've kind of covered the major cities at this point. Um, maybe Daggerfall or maybe I'm trying to think of any of the major towns we haven't covered on the coast. I think we're getting pretty close to most Calum of them. Calumshan comes to Neverwinter. mind. Uh, yeah, we haven't had adventure. an official Neverwinter thing. Um, yeah. It's interesting because I feel like it's a marketing thing from either Wizards of the Coast or Hasbro, where mm -hmm. they're tying it to the the name to generate buzz. So yeah. uh, specifically in two weeks, the last Drist novel will come out. And uh, this is not official, but R.A. Salvatore has, has hinted that this is like, I'm going to be done after this. Mm -hmm. And if I remember correctly, I think he said that in the past that <laughs> he's like, no, we're all done. And then they always pull him back for like three more novels or something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but this should be like, Hey, we're done. And I think that's why this is Icewind Dale because, oh. uh, Drist, the, the beginning crystal shard novels took, took place in Icewind Dale. 
Nice. And then you have uh, Baldur's Gate Descent into Avernus, and that was right around when Baldur's Gate 3 was announced, so I think it was like, hey, we're just going to generate buzz. Because that adventure, although like started in Baldur's Gate, didn't need to start in Baldur's Gate. It could have started anywhere. Like It was kind of... Yeah. It was silly, in my opinion. Uh, they admitted they changed that. It wasn't originally in Baldur's Gate. They switched it to match the game that was coming out. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. so I think Rime of the Frost Maiden, like I think it's set in Icewind Dale to maybe generate buzz, but it's not called Icewind Dale Rime of the. Oh, it is called Icewind Dale Rime it of the is, Frost Maiden. Yeah. So I'm yeah. I'm I'm silly right there. So yeah. Um, <laughs> I was gonna say I got the, uh, uh, what is it called the, uh, what World of Adventure, Birthplace of <laughs> He's Heroes. Reading it. Um. No, I can't. I can't remember. But the dice set that that came out um, a while ago, yeah, that nice was uh, the Explorers Kit, um, mm -hmm. and uh, this is really cool because it's got like all of these little pictures in here of mm -hmm. uh, the various places in the Forgotten Realms, specifically the Sword Coast. But yeah, you've got like Icewind Dale and Waterdeep and things like that. Um, the dice are really cool. I kind of just like splurged one day where I was like, I think I really want those. I'm going to pick them up. <laughs> and I really like the dice. But that book feels like like the dice and everything just came out of nowhere. And it feels like it should have been tied to a release of a Xanathar's Guide uh, mm -hmm. type book called Silverhand's uh, Explorer's Kit. Um, yeah. That's going to have new feats and new subclasses and stuff. So I'm wondering if that's going to get a rename or if that, if this was just released early by accident or something, I don't know. But mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think you've mentioned that before and a couple of shows back where we were wondering, was this going to be tied to a book for them mm -hmm. before we got the announcement of Icewind Dale, Rime of the Frostman. We were thinking even it might be there, yeah. but obviously we got Frostmaiden a Because has a dice set as well and it's ice themed. Yep. And these dice are also ice cold blue themed. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know, but we're we're all still hoping for that book and speaking of yeah. new books uh more hints at that are the the feats that they released right. um so these are just unearthed arcana 2020 feats um and it looks some of these are really cool and some of them are like oh, okay <laughs> and some of them feel a little overpowered but it is playtest material um right. but for the most part a lot of these feats that they came out with are ways of incorporating another class's abilities into your your class without multi-classing that's a lot of the word class several times yeah um but we had feats like this i want to point out that we had feats like this like the magic initiate feat you could take that feat and then gain a couple of druid cantrips and a first level druid spell and so it's they kind of took that framework i feel and applied it to uh, a lot of different classes um mm -hmm. the artificer 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 mm -hmm. initiate uh is it's very much the same thing as a uh, magic initiate and you you get some, some like artificer cantrips that you can change and things like that um eldritch adept is you get some uh warlock invocations which is kind of cool mm -hmm. to be able to dip into those without actually taking levels of warlock and i like that um Metamagic Adept, you can get some sorcerer points to do. Like, I could be a wizard doing metamagic, which is kind of cool. And if you think about it, like, that could be a lot of fun as a warlock. Like, you could twin uh, Eldritch Blast. You could do a lot of cool things like that. <laughs> so, um, Fighting Initiate, uh, which is similar to... I think there was a feat that let you take uh, the combat abilities of a specialized fighter. 
Um, but this one is is yep. weapon training. So you could potentially have uh, the dual wield mm -hmm. thing as a bard or something, which would be kind of cool. Right. But yep. uh, what did you think of these? Do you have any that really stick out to you? Yeah, I think uh, I liked all of them. And what it felt like is this, I almost wonder if we're starting to see the inklings of sixth edition starting to come through or the, the playing around with how they're going to do sixth edition. Because if they start to take away um, your race gives you abilities or things, and that's just a, 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 a thing you can choose. It has nothing to do with stats or what you get. Your class gets all these things, but it's almost like the, you're adding keywords to your character so that you can specialize them in such a way that matches this idea of what this character you want to build. And now you could, maybe you could pick four or five keywords and that makes that perfect character that you've been wanting to build, right? Mm -hmm. you don't, you're not so constrained all of a sudden by, well, the class is the class and I have to play the class because that's kind of the stuff it gives me. Whereas I start adding these keywords to it all of a sudden I could be something very different. I could be, you know, if I'm a fighter, but I also take Eldritch Adept, that's a very different looking fighter than if I'm playing a champion, just using the, the class mechanics and nothing else. Mm -hmm. So the feats are really adding in the ability to fine tune characters to people's images that they want to play. So you're no longer just say, well, I want to play this really cool Ranger that's very much like a Legolas, but I want these certain things to happen. But Ranger doesn't necessarily make me Legolas, right? I need some other things. And maybe if I take some of these keywords, like there's a fighter initiate, but maybe they come out with like an, uh, an archer initiate, or they come out with something that has to do with, you know, uh, where it has piercer, crusher and slasher, but maybe it has, you know, a bow or something in there. Cool name better than I can come up with that gives even more increased archery. So now I can start to make more of a legless character, even though Ranger doesn't really get me there to make it. So I wonder if that's the direction we're going to where a little bit less class rigidness, a lot more customizable options that are going to be in the book. And will it just be in, we're going to add it to fifth edition as things you can do, or are we starting to see some of the things that the direction they're going to start to go with sixth edition and how they might want to start changing that edition from what we yeah. have now? I feel like it's going to be a 5.5 is what it feels like to me. Could be. But I yeah. completely agree. Um, if if we get away from dwarves have a plus two to con, and instead mm -hmm. how you were raised kind of affects like, well, he was raised in a library, so this dwarf doesn't have a plus two to con, but has a plus two intelligence. I yeah. don't think they're going to get rid of certain things like uh, tieflings have dark vision. Like tieflings mm -hmm. will have dark vision and tieflings will have fire resistance. We're not going to get rid of those necessarily, but we are going to get rid of, I want to be a warlock, but I want to use intelligence rather than charisma. And it's like, okay, yeah, like that's fine. You can do all of your warlock things, but you don't necessarily need charisma. You can yeah. use intelligence. Or I want to be a nature paladin and I want to use wisdom for my things instead of charisma. Um, yeah. It is interesting that you bring up Ranger though, because a lot of people on the internet, myself included, were looking at, you could be an archery fighter and take the tracker feat, which gives you hunter's mark. And I think uh, another another slot or another spell, maybe it's just hunter's mark. Um, and you get advantage on survival checks and you almost are a better ranger in the sense mm -hmm. of like just combat than you would be if you were a ranger with all of your spells and stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah. And so. Yeah, I just but, made the, the character I've been playing, we'll probably talk about in the show later on, is the arcane archer fighter. Using that straight, I did take the sharpshooter feat, but already I feel 
way stronger with a long bow than any ranger I've ever made because, you know, just the way that that synergizes with being able to take archery, being able to bump up stats quickly, being able to take a feat early on without having to worry about not getting the high, you know, decks or strength that you want or whatever, because you get enough of those um, ability score increases with the fighter class that you can make up for anything any couple feats that you take it just like all of a sudden i feel like a really cool archer right now whereas i always wanted the ranger to be that right but that's pigeonholing that too because not everybody's idea of the ranger is the like i said legolas style ranger or robin hood style ranger maybe their ranger is the pet type class or their ranger is the one who's more in tune with nature and does cool naturey stuff so you know everybody has their own idea of what these are and i think if we get away from classes constraining us this is the way to go to allow that imagination to really blossom because you can grab very easily and it makes making character sheets really easy too just by grabbing these little keywords oh a noisy puppy (laughs) what is your problem come say hello to everybody all right i'm gonna let her out i think there's people in my pool swimming and she's upset she can't be out there oh okay so i'll let her out you take the show over here Jordan. Uh, right not, back. yeah we'll we'll try uh right back. there was a couple of like synergy things that's kind of interesting i liked the um for for example you could specialize in a particular uh weapon so crusher allows you it increases your strength or dexterity by one and then um you can if you're wielding a, a, a weapon that does bludgeoning damage, or if you're using your fist to do bludgeoning damage, so this could work with a monk too, you can shove people across and things like that. We're talking about Crusher, the feet. Nice. Um, and how you can specialize with a particular weapon uh, mm-hmm. or weapon type, like hammers or some kind of bludgeoning weapon like that. And I've always oh. had, I've had a warlock that I really wanted to play with uh, a two-handed maul that I thought would be fun. Um mm-hmm to summon this giant maul and then be able to do extra damage with it. Uh, when right. you do a critical hit, you after you take this feat, when you do a critical hit, uh, you uh, attack rolls against the creature have advantage until the end of your next turn. So it's kind of this like extra bonus, like, oh, that's really cool. And if you pair something like that with the fighter who crits on a 19 or 20, it becomes really powerful. And sure. if you combine that with great weapon master, it gets even more powerful because you're doing plus 10 damage hand. if you hit and things like that. And so, I don't know, it's it's really, really crazy. And they have one for piercing and one for slashing and one for uh, mm-hmm. bludgeoning weapons, obviously. Um, I like that, though, because then this, like, huge magical greatsword shows up, but you're like, I'm not interested because I'm just a hammer guy and I want, you know... And, and, yeah. and although that is kind of sad sometimes where people are like, ah... I like the idea of like, let's take this great sword to a wizard and pay some money and see if we can't transmute it into a hammer or, or move mm-hmm. its magical, magical effects over. Um, yeah, and it, I think it really customizes your character too. Like I yeah. was raised building railroads and I know hammers, mm-hmm. but I don't know how to use a sword. And so it's kind of fun. Yeah. And so, sometimes the meta game of min maxing your character right now will push you in a way to take something that maybe doesn't match the idea of your character, but it gives you the bonus you need. So, you know what, I need to use the rapier because it's a light weapon and I can use it in two hands and I can get this thing. But really in my mind, my character was all about a long sword and I really wanted a long sword. But if you have these little features here, like the crusher one, add something for somebody to take a hammer. Cause you don't see a lot of people take the hammer. They take polearm mastery or they take like yeah. you said, great sword or whatever. And there's not, 
a huge incentive to take some of the other weapons unless there's a cool feat that might do something to entice you a little bit, to give you, mm -hmm. like I would love to be the Indiana Jones character and you could have a whip and it does more of the stuff like the Indiana Jones whip does, right? So it's a little bit more versatile. You can swing across, even though it's not normally, you know, physically real. It's cool that you could maybe go somewhere farther. Maybe you can do some more damage or maybe you can uh, trip somebody and make them fall prone or something. Mm -hmm. And that could be a little cool keyword that gets added in. And now you might see more characters that are shying away from the very stereotypical I'm just long sword or I'm just great sword or I'm just a polearm master or I'm just, you know, like uh, we might get away from just uh, uh, warlocks just being Eldritch Blast, right? Because mm -hmm. that's what everybody jokes about the warlock class because a lot of the cool features that, that make you feel like you want to be able to help your party move you into modifying your Eldritch Blast to do cool things. But maybe we could give some more features that we don't have to only go that route. Maybe we can give some cool features to some of the other spells or some of the other ways, or maybe they have one of these, like, you know, maybe they have a slasher feat and they use a sword or they use that shadow blade. Like if you could add that in, I don't even know what damage type that does, but uh, like- The you shadow know, blade is psychic damage, yeah. Might be psychic <laughs> damage. So maybe there'll be one in there that increases some psychic damage. And that could be a cool combo at some point with like, you know, so you can find these little synergies out there to, to try to make your character do what you want. Cause we all have concepts for what we want to build our characters mm -hmm. to do. And I'm constantly building new concepts and thinking, Oh, I want this character to be able to do this. These are the weapons I want them to hold. This is the type of armor that makes sense in my mind. Mm -hmm. But then when I go to build it in D and D beyond my AC is only a 12 and the weapon damage, I might only be doing a 1d6 and not very much. And now all of a sudden my concept isn't as cool as it was because I'm going to get hit all the time. I don't have a lot of, you know, so now I've got to, you know, move things around. So I feel like I'm not just a detriment to the party. But I think it's cool that we have things that allow us to customize our characters in many ways. And I think feats do that. Now feats do feel like they they mess with the balance of the game a little bit in some ways. There's some pretty powerful feats out there, even ones that aren't even in a UA article, ones that are official. Well, I say official because they say a GM can allow feats, but they're not necessarily have to be in the campaign, right. but you can allow them. But the ones that come in the player's handbook is what I mean by official. Um, even some of those, like sharpshooters, are pretty strong oh, yeah. feat, you know, or, or polearm mastery, shield mastery. Those are pretty strong feats for people to, to put into their characters all of a sudden too. So there's a little bit of balancing issue going on there, but I like it. I like being able to customize my characters so I can make the Naruto type character or whatever anime I'm into or whatever book I'm reading. And I can finally go, Oh, I know how to make shady tooth now, or, Oh, I know how to make, you know, Captain America. Or, I know how mm -hmm. to make black Panther it would be really cool. You know, I could do this stuff with some of these cool abilities to do that. So, yeah. The Poisoner feat is interesting to me because it feels like a fix for the Assassin Rogue. Like, they mm -hmm. were like, yeah, we should, probably should have given this to the Assassin Rogue in the first place, but we'll just make it a feat. <laughs> uh, but I really like that. Um, I don't know. These were interesting. Uh, another thing that I liked about this, we, we've I think we've talked about this in the past, is just giving your players feats for free. So yeah. no matter what race you are, you get a feat at first level. And then maybe another feat at eighth level and something like that. And what I like mm -hmm. about that is I want the feats to reflect the gameplay. 
So if you are a wizard that inherited some shield and you spend a couple levels trying to figure it out, and then at level eight, you take shield training, and now all of a sudden I have proficiency with shields, I can use this thing, I can use it as a spellcasting focus, uh, mm -hmm. that's cool. Like, that's yeah. really fun. You, uh, like, I don't know, I'm looking at other things, like what was the shadow touched? Uh, I learned the darkness spell. So I don't know, you spend some time with a necromancer and I learned this. And so it's a way mm -hmm. to reflect how your character's growing rather than, um, like, I don't know, story-based, story it's kind of fun to do that. Uh, whereas when you have the natural progression of your character, it's like, well, I'm, I'm level six now. I get this ability or I, I now know third level spells. So I just have these. It's, it's fun for mm -hmm. me. Um, playing a wizard, it's been a lot of fun going different places and looking for spell books and just being like, what do I get? And then if it's a spell I never would have taken in my entire life, it's kind of fun to take that and, and try to work it into the story and things like that. Uh, yeah. I also like that. Well, I, I wait, I lost my train of thought. Uh, <laughs> anyway, it's gone. Well, but, I like this. Yes. I like the fate touched one because I've been wanting to make a very um, uh, swashbuckler, two swords, maybe has a tiefling, maybe has a tail, and then gets this fate touch so that I can do the misty step and I can bamp around. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that could be a really cool character. I might call it something like Nightcrawler or something. I don't know what I'm going to call it yet, but it could be really cool to be able to play something like that that's bouncing around and, and teleporting around and, and doing cool things with two scimitars. Not like Dritz, though. Like totally different than a Dritz <laughs> character. Um, so <laughs> the Eldritch Knight at level... 15, 16, 14, something like that. Mm -hmm. um, when you action surge, you can teleport 30 feet. Oh, nice. Um, and so it's been it's been fun because I think I'm going to take Misty Step when I level, and then I am mm -hmm. going to, like, be Nightcrawler and, like, bamf yeah. around. With, yeah, I think that'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, and I just um, love describing yeah. how these things work. So if you're Fae Touched and you use one of these items, I love the moment that we get into the game where the DM lets you describe what this looks like when your players see it for the first time, or what's it look like as you're doing these things. You have meta magic adept and you can do these things. Well, what's that look like for you? Because you're not really a sorcerer. You're not, maybe you're not a sorcerer. I mean, I don't know. Maybe you would take that even if you were a sorcerer, maybe you still take it. I don't know. Maybe it, you know, that nothing says you can't do it. Um, so the only prerequisite there, and some of them do have prerequisites. So uh, the, the magic ones have a lot of, you either have to have spell casting or packed magic, either one, to gain that. So you might have to figure out how your character is going to get that if you're a fighter, right? But, you know, there's ways to, to work around getting those kinds of things, too. So, and even the chef one was interesting, just as a side That's my note. favorite. <laughs> yeah, because you're going to make something cool for your friends to eat before you continue on in your dungeon delve, and they get a plus, you know, a little bonus here because of it. And that's such a cool little story moment or a part of your party that might not be a part of everybody else's party. So it's kind I've, of- I've cool always wanted thing. to build a, yeah. a chef uh, barbarian. And yeah. I love the, and then this came along and I'm like, that's exactly what I needed. That's <laughs> hilarious. Where, you know, he like goes into the forest and comes back with a, a deer and he's just like, we're eating this. And, and everyone's like, oh, gross. Wow, this is amazing. Like, you're the <laughs> yeah. best chef in the world. And he's just this like grunt of a guy. I yeah, think that would be so much it. fun. Yeah, um, that's a do fun you, character. Do you think this is th this is huge uh, in game mechanics wise? Because yeah. a lot of this stuff, 
uh, and specifically I'm talking about like Eldritch Adept and stuff where you're, you're getting things from another subclass without things from another class without dipping into that class. Is mm -hmm. this taking away multi-classing? Is this taking, I don't want to say fun away, but like there's something special about playing a, uh, warlock. And if your fighter can take warlocky stuff, which, uh, I don't think they can can because you need spell casting or pack, packed magic feature. Yeah, you gotta but find like, a way if, to get it. If yeah. you could, if you could do that, I mean, is it is it making the classes less special? I guess. Yeah, I I think in some ways a little bit. It's it's making the classes less rigid, and it's allowing the abilities that you get in those classes to permeate through any of the characters. And now we're getting more, but that's going to allow for more individualized characters for people that my, me and you could bring a fighter technically written on the top of our character sheet, mm -hmm. but we bring in something totally different because of the feats we're putting in there, the way our stats look, the types of subclasses that we might've chose. And all of a sudden we are not the same person, even though we both have fighter written at the top of the, the character sheet. And I like that. I don't want to be, we're all playing the same kind of character because that's the rules make you do just that. You know, so I like this idea that we're, we're much different. A fighter can be many things. A ranger can be many things. A, a wizard can be many things. So I'm no, excited. That, I, I like I, it. Yeah, I like it too. I agree with you. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting though, because it's very, it's very Pathfinder to me um, and mm -hmm. very anti-OSR. So uh, yeah. I think of games like, uh, I don't know, Nave and, and uh, to an extent Dungeon Crawl Classics and other stuff like that, where... Uh, if you play a dwarf, like a dwarf is a class and uh, also your heritage, your race, uh, and there's something special about playing that. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of people are like, oh, I don't want to play this, uh, but I will take it because I like what the dwarf can do. And then they end up really loving dwarves. Uh, mm -hmm. How many, how many, I think human is the most played uh like race in Dungeons and Dragons. Probably variant because you can grab um, that feed in the And menu. a lot of it, yeah, variant. And so not, I don't know, having somebody be like, I think I want to play in a Ladrin because I really like this like teleportation thing they get. And I like the the like summer, winter stuff. I never thought about playing in a Ladrin, but all of a sudden I'm researching a Ladrin. I'm understanding where they come from. I'm I'm building on mm -hmm. that. So I wonder if, if I guess my point is, uh, creativity can really blossom when it's constrained sometimes. And so yeah. uh, allowing all of this to open up, I fear that people will be like, well, I'm just going to play the same uh, character basically all the time. Uh, only a little different, a little bit, mm -hmm. you know, like, like mm -hmm. I'm going to play a bard, but he really focuses on all this like melee stuff. And then I'm like, well, I'm going to play a, a, a ranger that kind of focuses on all this melee stuff with a little magic. Well, I'm going to play a fighter, but I'm going to dip into the, some of these things with magic. And you're kind of like, well, I'm, and I'm, I don't know. I'm always playing the same thing. Uh, be, there's yeah. something magical about getting attached to something that you weren't expecting to get attached to, I guess, you mm -hmm. know? But I, but story-wise, I like this a lot because if you're playing a sorcerer that then makes a pact with something, you could get some of those pact magic things, but you don't necessarily have to stop being a sorcerer. And I like that a lot. So yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm conflicted, I guess. It, it totally reminds me of during the 80s. So we get after the 70s of D&D. &D, so we get through, you know, 
you know, basic and we start to move into advanced and we start to get into third edition starts to come out. There's a lot of other RPG companies that want to build RPGs, tabletop RPGs, and they want to go the classless route. There's this big push at one point to instead of doing what D&D does and you're a class, they want to build a system where there is no class. It's only what you do or it's only it's skill based or the skills you pick is what you are and what you do is what you are. And this feels like I think what happens is, is we we pendulum back and forth yeah. through the time of class is great and we love it and we embrace it. We do it for a while and then we start to wane a little bit because we've done it for so long. And now we start to think about, boy, I really would like to play classless where I could do all this other stuff. And then you do that for a little while. And then, like you said, you start to run into this thing where, oh, I just keep picking the same types of skills. So the reality is I've only really played the same character, even though I felt like when I was trying to create, I was creating something different, but mm -hmm. then I didn't in the end. So then I swing back to class now because it kind of, it focuses my attention on what I am. So I think we go back and forth, back and forth with this. And this feels like that, that same kind of thing that happens from that transition from, like you said, um, 5, 0.5 right so Dungeons and Dragons third edition goes to 3.5 which is famous are we at that transition point for a five to go to 5.5 where we start to get out of the class restriction and more into you know just this wide open ways of customizing your characters to the yeah. point that you get so much to choose from it becomes overwhelming and then they have to stop and create a whole new edition yeah. because the new players coming in have way too much choice and there's way too many books and how are you going to get a brand new player into all of this if you've got you know all this going on so it no, feels I like feel, it's I feel a cycle like, <laughs> yeah and i feel yeah. i i mean i'm an avid D, D player and i've been reading the pathfinder second edition handbook and i feel overwhelmed just with that one book yeah and they're putting um, out a new you have advanced options coming. Yeah. You have so many options and I'm like, I don't know. It's just kind of, it seems overwhelming. Uh, and, but there's a subsection of people that want that really bad. And yeah. then you're right. There's people like us that have been playing D and D for or fifth edition for so long that we're kind of chomping at the bit for something extra. Mm -hmm. uh, and I guess the defense against that is wizards of the coast has always said, all you need to play is the player's handbook. Yep. You know, and, and you, and I played in a game. I had a, an old friend of mine that wanted to run a game online and I played a couple sessions with him and he is not like, he doesn't own Xanathar's and he doesn't own a lot of these other things. So he's mm -hmm. like, well, no, if we could just play in the player's handbook. And yeah. I was like baffled. I'm like, but I, what? I, what am I, I going to choose? Pull, like, I'm going to be the kobold <laughs> from, from Volos and I'm going to be this thing from Xanathar's yeah. and like, what do you mean? Uh, but yep. that is a legitimate way to play. And if you are trying to get somebody new, it could be like, Hey, here you go. And after they yeah. play a couple years, Hey, you can open up into this other stuff. So yeah. I don't know. It's yeah. I don't know. It's, it's kind of interesting. I, I like your, your pendulum swinging back and forth. The, the Hegel thesis, anti-thesis stuff mm -hmm. where mm -hmm. like, yeah, we get to this point and then people are like, uh, and then it swings back and we get to the other point. Yeah. yeah we're fickle. Is really and, what it comes down to. <laughs> and maybe maybe that's another reason I like Dungeon Crawl Classics is because it is just like, it's really straightforward. Like uh, a yeah. fighter is a fighter is a fighter. And and that's mm -hmm. super easy. And you you play that and you have a good time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There is a cool creativity that goes into when you're restrained. Yes. And you must use only what you have available. And there is a cool creativity that can come out of that. There's also a different creativity that comes out of, look at this plethora of options you have upon the table 
and let your mind run wild with picking pieces of it to do something. So there's, it, they're both creative and they can, they can foster creativity in different ways. Uh, and it's cool to be able to, to figure out which one you like the most. And, and I think sometimes, like you said, if I'm given some restraints, I like to find my creativity and how do I use my constraints? That's why I love to roll the stats and stick with them. I like to roll my HP dice and stick with them because that's like that constraint being given to me. And I have to find my creativity based around that constraint. But like you're saying, you like the class to be rigid, right? You know, that's just fun for you. That's your creativity really comes out in that. And it's great. So I, I think we all find our, our places to enjoy it. There's many of us that are going to be on one side or the other of, you know, which one style they like. Some will be in the middle where they like both styles and we're like, Hey, I like it all. I don't really, or some yeah. like, I hate this game. I don't like D and D at all. You really should be playing uh Monty cooks games or you should be playing Pathfinder or whatever. That's cool too. That, you know, whatever your fun is and wherever you find your creativity is cool. I like, that they keep giving us stuff to, to keep our minds thinking about things, whether we use them or not, whether your dungeon master puts them in the game or not, even if they're overpowered or not, they're still generating thought. They're still generating this idea of, oh, that might be cool if I added it to this, or I might like something like that, or maybe I'll make something that's more about what I like and, and add it to my campaign. But that, that had the kernel that gave me the kernel of what I needed to then make the thing I really wanted. So yeah, that, no, I, that's I, what I love about I it. I like doing that too. I like taking yeah. um, one thing. Sometimes that's a spell. Sometimes that's a feat. And then how do I build an entire character around that? <laughs> and I do that a lot. Like you would take uh, thematically, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like chef. I want to take the chef feat. How do I build a whole character around that? Um, I have yeah. like four shadow blade characters where i'm like shadow blade's the coolest spell how do i build yeah. a character that that utilizes shadow blade effectively yeah. and like how do i do that and so yeah I've i just want two shadow blades i'm still trying to figure out how to get two shadow blades because yeah. if i can do that then i can get some real character synergy going <laughs> <laughs> anyway uh yeah so new feats the game's changing it's going to be really interesting going forward with D D. and i wonder if there's a division in the uh in the community a little bit of like, well, we like to play like this and we like to play like that. I mean, nerds are mm -hmm. very like, don't get your third 3.5 edition in my, you know, fourth edition and things like that. So yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. It's like what, the peanut butter and chocolate thing. We have the yeah. fans of peanut butter, the fans of chocolate. Yeah. There are some fans that like peanut butter and chocolate together, but then there are the, the diehards that say never combine yeah. the two. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's true. <laughs> Um, but that leads us into our next part of the show. Uh, burr, yeah. burr, 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 Bardic, Bardic Inspiration. Um, this has, uh, we just kind of talk about things that are inspiring us, uh, ideas that we've had that we want to workshop with, uh, not only yeah. each other, but with you. So we need uh, like a 15 second jingle that know, somebody I, in I our audience could make. Yeah, that'd be cool. That would be like the, just the words Bardic Inspiration sung out for us that we could hit a little <laughs> we button. Play. We could play it like it's a little a little a bumper in a, yeah. in a TV show. That'd be so fun. Yeah. So all of you fans out there, we could use a little jingle, a Bardic Inspiration jingle. Let Send them our join, <laughs> join the Saturday Morning D&D &D Show Discord yeah. and you can talk with us and we can workshop it. That'd be really fun. Be awesome. Uh, but Lucian, what was your Bardic Inspiration this year? So I've, year I've been reading several books. Week. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, 
I find that I've been really relaxing lately by reading lots of books. I've been reading Lit RPG. Some of you will recognize what that is. And it's a combination of um, a game world being written as if it's an RPG and usually a player of the game gets sucked into the world or something. Um, and so it's kind of it kind of like the original D D cartoon, right? There are kids on a on a joyride at a carnival of some sort or a fair, right? And then they go through the tunnel and all of a sudden they're in the lands yeah. of D and D and they're doing their cool thing. So that's lit RPG. That's literally what it is, right? So I've been reading lots of these ones. I've been having some fun. And one thing came up in the book that was really cool is this player who got sucked into this world was very big into chemistry and, and biology and stuff and was using that knowledge to kind of affect this game world to see if that knowledge could affect the game world, stuff that nobody in this game world ever thought to do, mm -hmm. these NPCs and characters. So they created this kind of genetically modified carnivorous mold. And then the mold itself, they released it on a, on a, a village and start eating everything that was organic, just organic stuff. So it was non-organic, didn't touch it, didn't harm it. But if it was organic, it would it would use it and then it would expand and it would try to find more. And it was almost like this little thing. And then that got me thinking about the old movie, The Blob, back in the day. They've done a remake of this a few times. But that was always such a cool concept, too, because that was like the little slime that starts out small. But then as it eats, it grows bigger and bigger. And all of a sudden, it's all over the town. And if we don't stop it, it could destroy the world type thing. And it started me thinking, oh, that could be a fun campaign where the players stumble upon this town that this is starting to happen. And if they don't pitch in, this could just, this could wipe everything out. And maybe there's a, a weakness that you could put in. In the book, there's a, a, a crystal that has uh, ramped up the mutation of this thing. This is what's accelerating it past normal stuff. Mm -hmm. And so if you could remove the crystal or do something with the crystal, the idea is maybe it won't get out of hand like it has, but you can't touch it. If it gets on your skin, it eats through you and becomes bigger and bigger. And it you can't just wipe it off because then your other hand has it and it eats through that hand. So there's some real cool thematic moments that a DM could use to describe what's going on. You have to use a lot of ingenuity about how you're going to try to stop this thing. And I felt like at the end of that, you have a great kernel. Let's say they do figure a way to stop it. Then, they, then the whole story after that is where did the crystal come from? Is it an accident? Did somebody place it there? And then the realization, wait a minute, are there more of these crystals out there and what do they do? And you could really build a fun, cool campaign where the players are trying to track this down and they're always one step ahead of the natural disaster that could happen. And they're just getting there in time and they're just getting there before it gets out of hand. And that could be some fun campaign play, I thought. So that was my Bardic inspiration. If you wanted to see... Um, where I was reading something similar that Travis Bagwell was the author and uh, you can find it. Uh, he does a series called Awaken Online, which is really fun. Virtual, a brand new virtual MMORPG comes out. Everybody puts their headsets on and it's this lifelike world and things start to go really crazy inside this world. It's really fun. It's a really good read. So cool. he's got a bunch of books. So that's where mine came from. Um, I was really inspired by that and thinking how a campaign could work. Mixing together the movie, The Blob, but more of like a, 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 a carnivorous mold, like spores, almost like a little bit too, like The Last of Us. We just had The Last of Us 2 release. And in that, they had kind of like a spore feature in that game too, where if you inhaled the spores, it would then start to 
mess with you and you would turn into these weird spore zombie zombie kind of looking things, really creepy things. In fact, it was the same kind of um, inspiration for when we played our campaign, uh, McLancy Waddle, you mm. were fighting those spore-like zombies. Yeah. I had inhaled those spores and they turned them into those weird looking kind of creatures. That was very similar to uh, the inspiration for this too. So cool. That was mine. But what about Jordan? Jordan's moving. He's got a lot of stuff going. Yeah. Boxes unpacking. So my imagining here for your bardic inspiration has to do with unpacking boxes. And stuff. <laughs> no, I oh, okay. <laughs> uh, specifically, I've been thinking about, I've been world building because I, I, I kind of want to build a, um, we've been hearing this yep. system neutral world and uh i so i think of like random things like where, where what's in the northeast region or what's over here like what's an adventure hook for if they decide to start over here um mm -hmm. and i was re-watching uh the interstellar which is um oh, yeah. the movie that uh uh Christopher Nolan did and, and they're mm -hmm. traveling through wormholes and things like that. Um, and specifically they find a wormhole, but it's a sphere and they're like, well, something that's punctured in three dimensional space is going to appear like a sphere to us because we don't understand things. And uh, you mm -hmm. should all YouTube Google flatland and you'll kind of understand how that works <laughs> with, you know, non Euclidean, whatever. But I, uh, so that got me thinking about like black holes and stuff like that. And what if there was uh, like a sphere of annihilation, like a black hole or something in your world. Mm -hmm. And it started out really small. And I like the idea of like, maybe it grows like an inch a year or something, or, or maybe like a foot a year or something, but eventually it's going to consume not only the town and village next to it, but the planet. And anything that the people put in, like if they put in uh, a shovel, when they take it back out, wherever the black orb touched the shovel, it's now gone. It's just like, does not dissolved, it's just gone. Um, but I like the idea of, and so, I don't know, that's that's the idea, that's the problem that we have. Yeah, that's the and basis. And then uh, during experiments with this, uh, they discover that the children born under or the same day that the that the thing appeared um the same day the children were born these children were born the same day as this thing that appeared uh are mm -hmm. somehow immune to it and so those children grow up and you're now playing those as the pcs mm -hmm. so uh you're this person and it's like i grew up i know all about this thing and for some reason it doesn't affect me and so people are really confused about what's going on and you've been charged because you can put your arm in and take it back out and you're completely fine. So you have been charged as like these adventurers to go in and try to stop it or figure out what it is or see what's on the other side or anything like that. Uh, and I like that idea. And so as a dungeon master, like, where do you take this? Does it lead to the abyss? Does it lead to whatever? Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't have answers really because it's kind of cool. But I like the idea that if – that your your player characters are special somehow and going into this thing and then it's just dms can do whatever the whatever they want on the inside it could be anything yeah. it could be a parallel universe it could be our universe it could mm -hmm. be the abyss it could be just blackness but you right. have to figure out why it appeared and what's causing it to grow you know yeah yeah i like the thing in chat here quintus says 
I wonder who was the first person to discover that though. Who was the first one to realize the kids exactly. thrown into the thing didn't hurt? Well, and that's that's a story, right? Like yeah, what yeah, if, that's, yeah, what that's if a uh, as kids, younger kids, like they play chicken with it or something. And so, uh, you know, but your parents always say you're not allowed to stay near, get near the black hole because we don't want it yeah. to envelop you. It doesn't and doesn't town stay there. That's just well, if it grows really slow, you know, they're kind of like, I don't know, eventually we're going to have to move. But it's a really good thing to put my trash in, you know, yeah. like I, I go. I've got all this horse manure that I need to get rid of and I throw <laughs> it in the black hole. So. I don't know. Like I, there's advantages to being near it, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you want to murder somebody and the body's there just disappeared, Body there's no evidence. <laughs> lot, there's a lot to do that. Yeah, it's so, very tales from the loop ish to me too. Cause oh, when you were yeah, thinking that actually. I'm starting to stare at my book behind me over my shoulder. I'm thinking tales from the loop story no. campaign. This would work really good too, that would but be it a works really good... great in D and D world too. A yeah. fantasy magic world would be yeah. just as awesome, but yeah, you could put that idea just about in any type of games yeah. that you want to play. Um, you know, kids on bikes, um, everything, oh, any of, of that, the money cook stuff we played. Yeah. Well, and that's what I was just thinking. That's a good Numenera thing too. Yeah. Where Numenera. you're you're born under this like glowing star that protects mm-hmm. you from that or something. And I like the idea. Very cool. But you're right, Tales from the Loop. That would be a good Tales from the Loop game because <laughs> for some reason you're a kid and you're just like we're immune, and it's and then parents are just like you have to save us. And they're like, what? And they have to like go in yeah. and figure out what happened. That would be really cool. Or even the idea that it is a garbage disposal and people keep throwing stuff in it because it's convenient, but that's what keeps growing it bigger. And you can't convince them to stop because it's too convenient for them not to do it. So it's just like this. It's just like almost like global warming in a way. Cars to us are too convenient to completely get rid of cars. So you can't ever get rid of, even if you tell us there's a hole in the ozone, even if you tell us, hey, things are warming up and the, the seas are rising, we're like, we're still driving our cars to our job or whatever. And it's it's that kind of thing where they just keep putting stuff in because how convenient it is. And maybe the story is about how do you change their minds from saying, yeah, I get it's convenient, but you're causing a bigger problem down the road, yeah. but it goes so small that they don't quite believe you right it's not happening quick enough for mm-hmm. it to be a huge danger so it's that's somebody else's problem down the road so that could be a very contemporary storyline being brought in and wait for your characters to realize that's what you're doing that's pretty fun I like or or uh, the more the more you feed it the faster it grows so when mm-hmm. everyone realizes this is a good way to get rid of a body or this is a good way to get rid of garbage mm-hmm. or trash or um things that they don't want but the more they do it, the more the planet is getting enveloped, you know? And it's yeah. like, oh, that's kind of, what do we do, you know? And but we still happens, gotta get rid of our trash. <laughs> well, what happens when this hits the ocean and it creates a funnel and then are we gonna lose all of the ocean, you know? And so right. people are, yeah, that could be could be really good. Yeah, that like could be that. dangerous. So yeah. I don't know, I, I really, uh, I thought that would be an interesting, I like open-ended things. Uh, specifically, I always think of, um, Keith Baker's world that I can't die. Eberron. Eberron. I was like, Warforged are <laughs> there? I don't know. Um, Eberron is like that with uh, the Day of Mourning and uh, the the Mornland, which is this catastrophe went off and we don't know, not even Keith Baker knows what happened because it's left up to you, the Dungeon Master, to be like, if, if that's a route that your players want to go explore, you get to make yeah. it up. And what they discover on the inside of the Mornland is whatever you want to make up, but it's it's crazy there. You know, something's oh, going what on. If? Magic is working weird, and yeah. Yeah, so. now now you got me going too. What if you can't stop it? 
So now your players are focused on how do we leave the planet? So now we're moving into Spelljammer territory. Yeah. And that's where our campaign is going to go. We have to leave the planet. (laughs) Before it envelops the whole universe. I don't know. Yes, that'd be so Um, good. We got to get as far away as we can because it's just going to keep growing. Yeah. I love it. Very Uh, cool. But kids on bikes, you mentioned. Uh, I'll do this really quick. Uh, Next Saturday, I think, is free RPG day. Um, And the magical Harry Potter kind of version of kids on bikes called kids on brooms officially mm-hmm. comes out on uh that saturday i pre-ordered it so my copy's arriving monday and i'm very excited to run a kids on brooms game well they already have a kids in spikes kids Teen, in space and in now space. kids yeah. oh teens in space and yep. now kids on brooms okay. kids on brooms so it's the very same system cool. but it's got new things uh are you gonna very harry potter it or are you gonna try to make a world like harry potter but different or just totally go harry potter. i don't know i'm gonna read it first but you could either be like hey your kids in a magical school or like hey your kids mm-hmm. that discovered magic like and you're mm-hmm. spe- you know and so i don't know uh i have to read it and i want to see how it works but uh the reviews are saying that it's really well done and it's a lot of fun and if you like the kids mm-hmm. on bike system you'll obviously like this one uh yeah, next saturday is a uh, free rpg day so you should all check out your local gaming stores wear a mask though if it's not safe don't go sure um but i'm Be gonna definitely safe. go and pick up some uh dungeon crawl classics and kids on broom stuff so i'm really excited about that yeah, uh, very cool. pathfinder participate everybody but D really participates in this so you should you should go though and check out some other non wizards of the coast uh rpgs that are out there um, but we will talk about kids on bikes, uh, not next week, but the week after it should be a lot of fun. Well, maybe next week it'll be fun. Uh, but, but Lucian, what's going on in your games that you're playing? Because some of well, us, aren't apparently games, I'm so. the only one that still has my gamer card. Cause it's you true. lost yours, all the moving you're doing. You're not actually playing any games or doing anything. I had, um, uh, I packed my dice specifically <laughs> like in my car in case emergency D&D happened. Emergency gaming happened. I was like, done. oh, you need me to be there in how soon? I'll, I'll come yeah. right now. I've got my dice. Aren't you yeah. like moving? No, no, it's fine. The movers have it. I'll be right over. It'll yeah. be good. Yeah, blank character sheets and yeah. dice are part of my, my bug out kit for sure for when the world <laughs> starts to end. <laughs> so I did get to play, uh, although I've lost my DM card at this point because I have not DM'd a game in probably a month, it seems like, because I've just been playing as much. Um, but I'm getting back the feel for, I want to start DM again. I've got a lot of ideas rolling around and mostly it was because my new job had me learning some pretty intensive software. So it was too much for me to do that and learn new game systems or build new big, large campaigns. And I need my brain power for my job at the moment, but I'm slowly getting (laughs) a handle on that. Things are slowing down for me. I've got it under control. I can get back to it. But the game I've been playing has been really fun. Our Australian dungeon master, Danimal, dm has been doing a great job we finished up Waterdeep um last week even though we didn't have the show we even though my character had died from the dragon before that i got to create another character we had a visit from mr drawn himself who awarded us our level two franchise and then gave us promptly a new mission which was we must map out undermountain and Ooh. it's imperative because act inc wants to start exploiting the Undermountain for um, uh, monetary. They, that's how they want to expand their market is whatever's in an Undermountain. So he's he's keen on us being the pathfinders and getting them maps of everything. Although I don't think our characters understand quite what they're getting into yet and how hard that will be. But that's kind of the, the premise for setting us down um, 
in there. Cool. And so we're having fun. It's really cool. We're on the first level. I've got my Eric Hokra um, Arcane Archer. Been wanting to play an Arcane Archer. Shady was Shady Tooth was my bugbear ranger, but I didn't want to use the bow much. I wanted to be more of an ambush kind of character, mm-hmm. even though I kept leaning on the bow every now and then because it was just convenient. That character died. So I said, well, maybe this next one, I'll just lean into the bow. Let's just go full bow. Let's let's see how good we can make longbow. Let's make a Hawkeye style character. Let's make a, you know, a very ranged, hard hitting glass cannon kind of character. Um, and it's been fun. I love the idea of having an air cook can fly at 50, um, can move around. I like the idea that my dexterity is super high because I'm a fighter class and I've gotten a couple of bumps. I had so, a good roll to start with, and I don't really need a lot of other um, stats to boost up the um, the sharpshooter part of it. And the sharpshooter is so fun. I haven't played with it before. I've had players use feat, it, but I've yeah. never had it. But that's the one where, yeah, you, you can – they don't get half cover or three quarters cover, which is nice. And the range limit doesn't matter. You don't get disadvantage on range. So you can really huck some arrows out there pretty far. But the other thing is you can take that minus five to hit to then gain a possible plus 10 if you do hit. Well, my character's bonuses are through the roof. I'm still getting a bonus on my die roll even when I take that. So then all of a sudden when I take that plus 10 to hit, I'm hitting for like 24, 25 around yeah. each arrow. And it was really fun to just see that big damage pile up. But I was like, ooh, this is going to be a fun character. But then I told my party, I'm a little worried because once your dungeon master sees a character putting out high damage at a rapid rate, they always find a way to stop that. <laughs> so I'm waiting for the the hammer to drop on me when he decides I'm putting out way too much damage and I'm doing way too much. So are you playing a claustrophobic Eric Okra in Undermountain? Or yeah, how's so that my idea was I wanted to play one. He's from Cholt. When I was reading up on the Eric Okra tribes that are out there, there's a few out in the world. Mm-hmm. One of them is at the Misty Cliffs of Cholt, which kind of tied into some of our characters from uh, the previous campaign, which I thought was fun. But I like the idea that um, in my mind, he doesn't necessarily as enamored to fly as his, his most of his tribe or his companions. And, it, and he is definitely more about exploring lands that are different than Cholt and different than just flying around the sky, which is what everybody does. So I thought this idea of him being able to go underground and explore something that's usually not something you would think a bird, man, creature would really want to do, but going against the grain of that a little bit. So I'm trying yeah. to play the character a little bit that way, where it's against the grain of the stereotype of the Aarakocra. And he's not big on flying. He might even, I actually might put on heavier armor and not fly at all because he's not really that enamored with it. And I might limit myself that way to play this character out a little bit, just to, Interesting. Just to okay. see, so just to play. and. But I've always wanted to play an Eric Coker ever since I got Fiend Folio and ever since I saw the pictures of it back in the day of, you know, uh, Advanced Dungeons Dragons and moving into third edition. That was always a race that really attracted that one in the Gith, right? So those are two that I'm always have on my little list of one day I was going to make a character that was going to be this. And I thought, you know what, that could be a pretty iconic character for Lucian to get to level 20. When somebody says, what's the one character you got to level 20? I could say it was an Eric Okra fighter, arcane archer. That just sounds super badass to be the character I get yeah. to level 20. Instead of, oh, I got a human variant um, you know, thief. 
you know, or something. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. But there's there's no pizzazz to that, right? I'm thinking, oh, Eric Okra. There Someone in chat, cool. uh, Scott Scott in chat says you should be an ostrich Eric Okra because they can't fly. Yes. Why and would I, that would be cool if you could just run really fast. Like I would let you yeah. take dash as a bonus action if you decide <laughs> not to fly cool. or something. That yeah. would be fun. I spent hours looking at head shapes of birds debating i went with the more classic bald-headed eagle version of course i'm a big patriot i was in the military i get it but i had waffled between maybe doing like the owl version head or maybe doing something of a different bird a parrot style head <laughs> or a different head because you could really do some really cool fun stuff with the types of birds that are out there so this led me into like at least several hours of searching and looking at birds and going oh i didn't realize this bird existed or i didn't realize there was a crested this or that and yeah. I was like, this is really cool and i'm like it's funny how we've talked about this in a previous show where little things in a game you're about to play lead you into researching things in the real world like that we we talked about this when i had to find a cool ore that i wanted yeah, my dwarf yeah. character to be able to find in the campaign and he found some um some cool cinnabar ore in the real world i started learning about what is that and what is it used for and how did we find it and how is it mined and it was really fun to go down that little rabbit hole so this was fun from a bird the, the bird watchers out there are probably like yeah this is a rabbit hole we go down every weekend when we go looking for birds and cool stuff but it was like for the first time for me they're like oh that's a cool looking profile of a head this hawk or this condor or this you know this eagle or you know this kingfisher or this whatever it was there's a lot of really cool stuff yeah. out there. birds are very varied it was really strange i really want to play <laughs> like a, a, a kenku is my other one yeah but no a swan aracocra that's a barbarian because they're there just you, yeah. mean and like that would just be like a oh, goose. just rage a goose the yeah goose oh, that's what i meant goose yeah <laughs> uh like a geese uh, a goose, uh, Aarakocra, who's just barbarian, barbarian like, ah! And yeah. then I, now I'm trying to think, like, what what would be a turkey Aarakocra? Yeah. Like, what's a good class for that? Like, I want to Well, I did that, too, with the halfling. Like, I made my halfling surly and, and get offended quickly. So I made this halfling cavalier, and then every time somebody tried to do a, a, a short joke, he just, he drew his weapons and started fighting. And the party loved the idea of a halfling who was sur not just the happy halfling that everybody plays, but it was the surly, I'm not going to take any crap halfling and yeah. I will punch you in your nose halfling. It was fun to play. So I like that idea of like you're saying, the goose, the goose barbarian that's just ready to fight at a moment's oh, notice. Oh man, that would be so funny. <laughs> I think I want to, gosh, now I want to play a halfling that uses a turkey as a mount or something. There you go. Really oh, cool. mine was a Rottweiler. I used a Rottweiler. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Amount, which was fun uh no that's awesome so yeah sounds exciting uh and you're doing arcane archer so yeah uh, i recently was reading that because it's not a very popular class mm -hmm. or subclass but uh i liked some of the things that it could do and then mm -hmm. overall fighter is very powerful so yeah. i remember people saying feel. like the eldritch knight is like the worst subclass <laughs> for fighter but it's still fighter and fighter's really powerful. So you're going to be okay. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, and I, I had I think a lot Arcane's of fun with my tonight, so. Yeah, the damage doesn't ramp up as much as you think it would with Arcane Archer, but the fighter's already still powerful, whether you have that or not. And I just wanted the idea of cool magic bow stuff. I want my arrows to have a cool magic look to them. I want some of the effects that they can do to be cool. I mean, they're always going to make those saving throws and I'm not going to get like huge things out of it, but there's some cool items to it. So it's, it's fun. I don't think it's super powerful, but I think it's going to be really fun to play. That's cool. 
Well, that's awesome. Uh, I I have not played any games because uh, I moved into my new house and I still have to unbox and, and put up. Uh, I've got books on the shelves. You're playing Tetris stuff. or you're playing yeah. uh, Sim, Sim Life, Sim, not Sim City. What's the one where you play, you just play the life of a person who has to get a job oh, the and Sims. live at home. Yeah. The Sims, you're playing the Sims right now. Real world Sims. Let me tell Sims. you, moving <laughs> with a, a eight month old baby, not fun. They don't, no, they don't really not. understand why their crib isn't built and why they can't just go to bed. That's uh, right. So it's rough. <laughs> but we we made it. Uh, any, that's our show, ladies and gentlemen. That's our uh, show. We're excited to be back. Uh, we will be back next week, I believe, and on a more regular basis now that my internet is working and we're all set up and things like that. I will have mm-hmm. better lights in the future. Um, yeah, got new videos coming out on the YouTube channel. Uh, we're doing stuff mm-hmm. here. Check us out every Saturday morning live at 9 a.m. Pacific. Uh, and you can always catch us later on YouTube or as a podcast. Uh, I am very mm-hmm. busy, so I'm uploading things. I don't think there will be a Rod of Seven Parts game this Wednesday because some of my players mm-hmm. are gone. But I am talking with Ted and a few of the other people, Lex, and um, to see if we could play something else. So maybe we'll play some silly little osr game or if i really fall in love with kids on brooms we'll play that or something i don't know mm, that'd be fun <laughs> uh but yeah anything else before we take off no chat was great you guys keep doing it keep showing up to the shows tell all your friends about it because i think we're having a great time here and you guys are a great community uh talking with you and ideas and just fun stuff that we're doing so keep it up can't wait to see you guys again next week keep playing them games so yeah take us all away right. jordan Take care, everybody. We'll see you uh, next time on a very special Saturday morning D&D show. Go to Free RPG Day next week. Okay, bye! Our intro and outro music is 8-Bit March by Twin Musicom, licensed under Creative Commons. Check out their website at www.twinmusicom.org.